Hey, you ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. Life's always changing. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit Aaron's.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. You got to see your local store for details. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years and not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Being prepared is all about having the right tools. The OnX off-road map and navigational app is the best fully functional GPS when you're out of service. Offline maps allow you to access all interactive land and trail data and custom map markups when you're out of service. Your phone's internal GPS gives you full navigation capabilities offline, so you'll always know where you are and how to get home safely. Go to onxmaps.com and use code MEATEATER to get 20% off your membership today. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. Meat Hunt, the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Dirt Myth, it's been so long since you've joined us. Do you still, uh, you know what I'm going to ask about, right? There's two or three things I think you will ask. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I got a handful of things I want to ask you about. But mainly the the chew, uh, you still you still chew man you still chewing man yeah but half I feel like I've cut it half in uh, consumption you know we get a lot of uh, emails I don't I think I got we get so many I don't even forward them to you anymore people concerned about your health people concerned about your chew habit it's a relatable issue you know I, I feel like but it is helpful you like knowing that people are pulling for you yeah because yeah. maybe it's a self esteem problem. Like oh, at its sure. Core. There's some like deep, deep-seated uh, psychological issue, maybe or something, or it was a uh, it was a uh, camaraderie thing with a lot of my uh, mentors in the past. I don't know because you were brought up in the ranching industry. Yeah, yeah. but I don't want to. I don't want to pass blame, of course. Yeah, uh, Dirt has a coming of age story about uh, his coming of age stories when he bought his first tin. <laughs> My first good, <laughs> his first good tin, and didn't have to borrow it from ranch hands. <laughs> still chewing, but uh, still conscious of trying to quit. I was, you know, I don't, I don't want to keep hammering at you, but I was going to ask how uh, about your love life, how your truck's running, but um, both good, <laughs> but, but I'm gonna spare it and move move on to. You know, Gary Mark. did tell me the other day we were traveling together, and it was about ten a.m. And we were walking through Salt Lake Airport, and he's like, man, I haven't had any chew or 
coffee yet. He's real proud of it. <laughs> he made it till 10 a.m. with no chew. Yeah, I asked Yanni to pat me on the back for it. He was hesitant, but baby steps. Baby steps. Why said. Why are you down on coffee? Well, just like any any uh, anything that you can pull away from that is a necessity day-to-day, you know, is nice, I guess. Yeah. Any addiction. My woman uh, quit uh, coffee and alcohol. For a while, right? For a while now. I'm thinking about getting back into drinking. You always hear people you always hear people trying to quit drinking. I'm trying to start back up again. <laughs> Baby steps on that too. Just a little yeah. sip here or there. Yeah. A lighter. I know. I'm desperately trying to get back into it. Well, I love that at one point you said you didn't give up on drinking, drinking gave up on I you. I know, and I want to try to reapproach it. It's like uh you will relate to this dirt. It's like if you get have a break up with a girl, right? <laughs> and and you reassess and want to come back and fix what was wrong. So I want to reapproach alcohol. Yeah. I'm gonna like come back to alcohol and be like, listen, we both know that we had our differences, <laughs> <laughs> but we had amazing times too. Mm-hmm. Tenacity. Uh, no, uh, Mark Kenyon. Yeah, is here. Mark on a scale of one to uh, what do you like? You like a five, ten, or one hundred? Let's go hundy. Okay, because you want to have a lot of room to really like nuanced answer. Yeah, on a scale of one, uh, one to one hundred, how excited are you about the um, live podcast event that we're doing in Columbus, Ohio? Ninety-eight and a half. Oh, you're that excited? Very excited. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. I hear that you're going to let me join. Yeah. Well, yeah, because now people know. Yep. I think that there's no tickets left. I mean, there are some, but by I, I think that by the time this airs, there might be no tickets left. But so you are sh- we just rubbing it in by talking about it? Though? No, because I'm using this to inspire people in some of the other markets where we're doing shows to to go down and get some tickets. And we're it's close to selling out all the rest too, right? Getting there, it's close. It might be too late, but go to MeatEater dot live, folks. Yanni, you want you you're nodding your head. What do you think? I was nodding my head because you got to that website, right? <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> me eater dot live, and it's the. I think we'll probably be adding more dates. We started out with four dates: um, Tempe, Arizona; Denver, Colorado; Columbus, Ohio; Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, we might add more, and they're sold out. Who, can we? Can you say who all is going to be there in Ohio with me, and you? Well, I, you know, we kind of got to finalize it with them, but I have I have extended an invitation to the world's greatest small game hunter, Mister Murphy. Yeah, not to be confused with our guest Guy Zuck, who's the world's greatest turkey hunter. <laughs> does that make you uncomfortable? Very. <laughs> I bet it does. I bet it does. You didn't see that I'm introduction s- coming. No, I'm setting him up for failure. <laughs> we rewind by telling him that. Uh-huh. Um, and then another thing, uh, Mark, Mark and I are working together now. We are. It's like when you get, when you become a couple and you start telling people. Is this official then? This is official. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Mark's, uh, working with us at Meteor now. So you're going to be, you're going to be hearing and seeing all, all manner of Mark Kenyon. And you saw me put you in the hot seat the other, the last time you were on. 
You you really did too. That was like uh, kept coming. We back were already at it. going out pretty steady, but but I was hitting <laughs> you hard to see feeling it out. Can can this really work? Yep. No promise. I right? guess I passed the test. Yep. So yeah, I'm excited about. It. I think I think it's a long term relationship. I, I'm not ready to talk marriage, but this is good. Yeah, this we're gonna good. we're gonna move in together though. <laughs> Let's not tell our wives. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Um, of course, Giannis Patelis is here. Good evening. And then uh, Poot Magoot, uh, otherwise known as <laughs> Chef Andrew Radulowski. Yep. World class. World class. I'll second that. Yeah, so and, and over the last couple of days, Andy uh, Poot fixed up for us. Walk us through, Poot, the menu, what we've been, what we've been eating. Let's see. We had, what do we have? Well, tonight we had some grilled octopus. Um that came from the cabin up uh, at the fish shack, along with some halibut that was also caught this summer at the shack. Um, we ate some turkey, fresh turkey breast. That was pretty good. Did a turkey piccata. That was a laughing eagle's turkey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mountain lion. He's yeah. a little. He's a little sour about it. <laughs> you know how I know? He's sour that his turkey is the one that everybody ate. Really? How do you know? Well, I'll tell you how I know because I uh, not an hour ago. Uh, we had two um, of those soft-sided Yeti bags, the Yeti hoppers. I brought one, and Yanni brought one, size 40s. And we had some friends down for their first ever turkey hunt, and they each got a turkey, and we're bringing them back home to L.A. So whose bag did they take? My bag. Yeah. So here now Giannis has a bag, and I say to Giannis, I say, hey, man, do you mind carrying my turkey home in your bag and I'll just get it from you later? And he's like, well, you might as well take it because my turkey's all gone. (laughs) (laughs) That was a little, that was a little passive aggressive. Dead giveaway. Yeah. Yeah, I was fishing for like a, oh, well, bro, since we ate both of your breasts, you know, I'll give you one of mine. Oh, is that what you were fishing for? Yeah, you can pick Yanni, up on I, that. I would give you some of mine, but I'm the only one that didn't buy <laughs> one. So, if, if that's what, the the done deal, no, I was more than happy to share mine. You don't have to do that. No, I'll go have these with you. I just figured since you had the bulk of the meat, you're taking home of our, you know, stashed together stashed that you would take it home. Yeah, mostly yours. I'm with you. Oh, oh, you know another thing. You know, what, guy, while I have you here, how many years did you live in Missouri? 47 and a half. So you're, you're checked out on Missouri. Yep. Because I, I want to do a quick correction or clarification. It's not a correction. It's a clarification. We were talking about, we, we were down in, we, we hunted in Missouri for turkeys this spring and recorded a show down there in which we were discussing um, how someone jumped up some quail while we were hunting turkeys. And they were surprised they had jumped up some quail. And he got into, hey, what, um, we kind of kicked around like why are, what happened to all the quail that used to live in the Ozarks? And a guy wrote in with a one, two, three. He wrote in with a three point, four point thing explaining why there's no quail in the Ozarks. The guy that wrote in to explain this is a, is a feller that I've known through. He's like an email friend, Clay Newcomb, and he publishes a magazine called Bear Hunting Magazine. I didn't hear this from him. Do you know who that is? I've heard of the name. Yes, sir. Yeah. Was Fesky one of the four? Yep. I'm going to give them all good call. So you, I know now that you're checked out on this subject 
I heard that this guy ri- takes a mule, rides a mule up into the mountains in the Ozarks. True story. And spot and stalks black bears with a mule. That's not something you hear every day. Not something you hear every day. And, I grew, you, and you understand that to be true? I grew up on mules, too. It's trading posts and stuff in Missouri. This Mules are pretty popular. Hunt coons off of. and Okay. Yeah. Now, he goes on to say, here's what's, uh, he says that there was not a good answer given to why there aren't quail in the Ozarks anymore. Fescue, he, this is him. Fescue and Bermuda grass now dominate the landscape because of the rise of cow-calf cattle operations. Are you man? You agree with that? 100%. This part of the country now supplies a lot of the Midwest feedlots with steers, and the non-native grasses are better for cattle. Before cattle was big, agriculture, native clump grass provided better habitat for quail. Goes on to say, part two, there's not as many subsistence-type farms anymore. From the turn of the century into the 1980s, there were lots of small farms that just provided great habitat. We used to have a lot more edge habitat. Yes. Our, our quail populations began to suffer in the early 1980s and have never recovered. Here's an interesting one. You like that one? I, I totally agree with that. And part of the small farming that he's talking about is people spent their time taking care of their farms and their families. They didn't spend it trying to brush hog every weed and stick that made their field look like it was overgrown got you you know now we're we're a fence to fence farming community and a fence to fence cattle grazing community and there's nothing left for a quail earlier did you hear me mention the name kevin murphy as the world's greatest small game hunter yep you know very avid uh he, he runs squirrel hounds and he runs beagles really but he used to like hunt he used to like to hunt quail and but where he lives in kentucky quail are gone too um, I bring that name up because he like he prefers to hunt cottontails on Amish farms and has a large network of Amish acquaintances and friends. And he hunts because they still dirt. He says he describes as they still farm dirty. Yep, a horse and a plow. Yep. So there's a lot of like when when crops are picked, there's a lot of stuff still on the ground. Yep. They leave big uh, windrows. They leave brush strips, and he said that's where all the game lives. And he says they t- he's generalizing, of course, but he says they also tend to be hell on predators. Makes Which sense. Else? Yep. Uh, point three. Metal T post. I need to read this one. Oh, okay. Yeah, fence, fence to fence. So the, the advent of the metal T post cleaned up with herbicides and or modern brush hogs have replaced old fences that primarily grew up into brush hedge. So half of the keep-in capacity of these fences was barbed wire strung between trees, and the rest was native brush. This produced great edge habitat that quail thrive on. He's 100% correct. Then he goes on to cat recap. As I understand the dominance of non-native grasses, metal tee posts, and modern mowing machines have been the demise of quail. My grandfather, Lewin Newcomb, was a regionally known bird dog trainer in the Wachita Mountains. Is that right? Yes, sir. In the Wachita Mountains of Arkansas. Part of my passion for wildlife conservation was fueled by watching him groan for the days of good quail hunting during the last 25 years of his life. At which point there just weren't quail. 
He died in 2014 at the age of 94 and talked about bird dogs until the day he died. Unfortunately, the quill died a long time before he did. Yeah, yeah. My grandfather and my dad used to hunt them. I mean, that's all they did. My dad tried to get leave from Vietnam to come back just to not to spend Christmas or Thanksgiving with anybody to quail hunt because they had such a high population of quail in the late 60s and early 70s. So how did that request go over? He made it. He did? Uh, yeah. He got pictures of him and my grandpa um, hunting quail. And it, I mean, like he said, in the early 80s, we had really, really bad winters back to back. We had a, a sleet storm that it rained on top of. We got about four to six inches of sleet, and then it rained on top of that. And we didn't we didn't go to school for 28 days. It froze and got down below zero, and we were finding whole coveys of quail froze together, butt to butt in a circle. They roost the covey roosts froze dead like that. Froze together, and it it never come back after that. And that was about the time fescue and Bermuda grass started, and about the time the big machinery started, about the time cell phone and electronics started. It all tied together to it was a perfect storm for the for the quail population you might not know this about dirt did you know that he once uh bagged a quail at night with a walking stick in mexico <laughs> no cat-like reflexes <laughs> i thought it was a night bird but he later <laughs> he killed the last one there was plenty we were doing like a like a late night death march in the dark and um he sees it and later was trying to tell someone the story i think i can't remember who was overhearing him tell the story and he gets to the part where he has a name what the bird was and rather than saying he didn't know he goes yeah it was a night bird <laughs> <laughs> it was really tasty that's my first quail i ever ate actually you you stepped me through the process yeah we just cooked or it. you cooked it yeah. <laughs> i ate it. it was delicious you bring up a great point with texas and mexico no fescue you know, especially South Texas and West Texas, quail populations are through the roof. Is that right? Through the roof. Yeah, think about when we went down and hunted. Oh, yeah, man. Near yeah. E- what was it called? Eagle with Pass. Battle, with Battle Bryant, Eagle Pass, Texas. Yeah. So was it in, uh, Guy, was it in Missouri that you were brought up, that you were raised up with a turkey? Yeah. Can you talk about that? Well... When I was seven or eight, my dad got a, a bronzeback turkey that we raised, and, and he was my buddy. And uh, first year, he was all right, and then we hit that first first spring, and he, he turned into not being my buddy anymore. Because he was becoming into his own. Coming into his own. and uh, That's a euphemism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and before that first spring was over, you couldn't walk from the house to the car without him attacking you. And... uh he wouldn't be mean throughout the year, but boy, when springtime would come around, he would. And my mom, she would carry a wiffle ball bat. And uh, if you misplaced your wiffle ball bat, you got the end of that wiffle ball bat. But she would keep it by the door. And in order for her to get to the car in the morning in the springtime, she'd have to beat that turkey back away from her just to get why, to her why car. Why did she even put up with that? I mean, why didn't she just say, you know what, I've had enough, and just get rid of him? I think she thought in my past life I was a turkey and... uh she she knew how much I love that thing. Okay. Yeah, because when we had pet raccoons, my mom hated our raccoons. But she let you keep them. And they'd come in the house, and she'd get a landing yeah. net, and landing net them, and bring them back out of the house, <laughs> or carry them out of the house by the tail, and open the door, and throw them out in the yard. And they would, like, wait by the door. So 
they knew how to get in. They'd wait by the door and fight their way in when the door cracked. Nice. Yeah, but she never sort of like she never like threatened to Chopped get her rid off. of the raccoons. Yeah. yeah, love of a mother. Um, and you learn how to, you started to learn how to communicate with the turkey. Yep. My dad got a few. We got a few bronze back hens. No, explain that. What's a bronze back hen? It's just a domesticated turkey. It's like a white turkey, but it has uh, coloring. So it wasn't a wild turkey. No, there's bronze back, Spanish black, royal palm, and then just your regular white domestic turkey. All different subspecies, but. And and talk about learning how to communicate with the turkey. Well, we had a hen named Henrietta. I mean, we were real original on the names. Tom was Tom, and Hen was Henrietta. <laughs> <laughs> but she stayed pretty docile. She'd get in your lap. She, but uh, that's how I learned to call was by mimicking her. And where I did she have a vocabulary that uh, that is similar to wild turkeys? Very, yeah. And she would leave. She would leave the yard and go up in the woods and breed with the wild ones and come back. I knew some girls like that. (laughs) 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 And she she would have eggs every year, but she never did, never would raise them. But uh, but yeah, we had her. I don't know. So she would she would lay down a a a a brood. Is it a brood when it's an egg? Oh, it's a nest. She'd lay down a nest, but wouldn't wouldn't sit them. She would sit them, but they just never hatched for whatever reason. Wonder what that's all about. She, she was like leaving them too long when it's cold or something. I guess so. Just I have no idea. But we never could get. Even one year, my dad got them all and put them in an incubator, and it still didn't work. So, huh? That's interesting. We, we used to have a cat that would eat its young. A cat was named Maud. That's messed wow. up. <laughs> it would. Uh, that is. I remember one time it laid a whole litter of kittens in my dad's shoe, and ate them all. Oh. That's terrifying. Yeah, I don't know any girls like that. <laughs> I was going to say, that's a painful story. <laughs> any cat cat lovers out there, that's something different. Oh, we yeah, we ran into a, who was there? Oh, Pooter. We ran into a, a feral house cat today. Yep, we did. Uh, hun, we were calling it in with a turkey call. Yeah, it was curious, too. Yeah, it was like, oh, I'm going to kill this thing, whatever it is. <laughs> and then it got close and spooked. So, um... Back to this, so, so Henrietta and Tom, Henrietta would go up and breed and not do it. And, and but, but I want to get to the part about how, like, in your mind, what was it that you wanted? Like, why did you want to start talking to this turkey? Just turkey hunting. And just, so it was based on turkey hunting. Yep. Yeah, it enveloped my, my soul. How old were you at the time? You say it enveloped your soul? My first one when I was six, and it was from there on. You got a turkey and you're six? Mm-hmm. And my dad took me out and got a turkey, and, and we went on to this place called High Ridge, and I look back now, the only thing Dad wanted to do was go to sleep, you know? He'd been out turkey hunting for himself, and this little kid's aggravating the snot out of him to take him turkey hunting, and he you know, he gets in at 9 or 10 o'clock and says, yeah, let's, we'll go, I'll take you. So I had a little 20-gauge, my grandpa's 20-gauge, and he gave me one shell, and uh, he set me off about 20 feet so I wouldn't aggravate him while he went to sleep. And uh, I know this because I've done this guiding over the years. You turn your back to the hunter and call a couple times and sleep for 10 minutes, and then you <laughs> <laughs> wake up. And But uh, we hadn't been there 30 minutes, and he called, and I heard a turkey gobble, and I tried to get his attention. And 
couldn't get him. I threw a rock at him, threw a stick at him, and that's how I knew he was asleep. The next time the turkey gobbled, he was a lot closer, got the gun up, and walked right up there, and I shot. When I shot, he he, he yelled out loud. It scared scared the snot out of me, but I got it. it <laughs> it's a little Jake. had a beard about four inches long, and I don't know if I've ever got another one that I was so proud of other than, than that one. And so then you thought, like, I'm going to learn how to call these things in good. Yeah. And you had this turkey in your barnyard that you could begin to mimic. And he would answer and come to you. Oh, so you could call him in. Oh, yeah, you could call him in. He would, I mean, he'd respond and come in, but. So you're playing, like, you're playing Henrietta. Yeah. To bring Tom in. And when Henrietta would leave and go off horn around, he would, <laughs> he, he would. He would tear the yard up. He would get beside himself, goblin, and I'd try to call him in. And but the thing was, when he saw you, he wouldn't. He wouldn't run from you. He would go into defense, like he would try to kill you. I mean, he would try to fall. Oh, because you. he thinks that you're your competition like, for yeah. Like yeah, hey, I'm looking for my woman, and then I find you here. Yeah. So the first couple times I called him in, it it didn't work out so well for me. So I got to carrying that wiffle ball bat, and I tried to call him in and kind of even the odds a little bit. I know this ain't the greatest story, but it's you know I was no, a kid. No, this is this is actually it actually is the greatest story. <laughs> <laughs> so as I matured, he matured, and he got to where he wouldn't come in close enough to me. So I painted my little wiffle ball bat camouflage and started wearing camouflage and face paint, and yeah, if I get him close enough, I'd wear his butt out. And I didn't. He didn't. I didn't always win. I mean, there was times that he won, and uh, he got really. He was the wildest tame turkey in Miller <laughs> County. I guarantee you. What was the county? Miller County. So uh, you learned to do this then in, in your communications with the turkey. You're not using a box call, or you're not using conventional turkey calls. No, I was. Dad gave me one when I was 12 or 13, and I had a bad gag reflex. But, I, you know, I, I learned how to do it. But I I could call on a diaphragm decently, but never could do use any call like I could my voice. If you've learned anything after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, it's this. There's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month, when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, no way, can't be true. But there isn't a catch. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly to you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get premium wireless service for just 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash eater. That's mintmobile.com slash eater. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash eater. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Make life insurance part of your financial planning this year. Start shopping now with Policy Genius to find the right policy to protect your family. Getting life insurance today means you'll have peace of mind 
so that if something were to happen to you, your family can cover expenses while getting back on their feet. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. They work for you, not the insurance companies. That means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another so you can trust their guidance. No wonder they have thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. When it comes to hunting, the right equipment can make all the difference. That's where the Quiet Cat Apex Pro stands out. Designed for the hunter who demands both stealth and capability, it is redefining off-road access. The Apex Pro is not just any e-bike. It's a testament to innovation built to navigate the toughest terrains and comfort with a powerful 1,000-watt silent motor with Quiet Cat. You're not just investing in an e-bike. You're unlocking new possibilities in your hunting adventures, making every journey more accessible and effective. The Apex Pro is the choice for hunters who refuse to compromise, offering silent, efficient, and reliable access to the heart of the wilderness. Embrace the future of mobility with Quiet Cat and discover how the Apex Pro can elevate your outdoor experience with 10% off when you use code MEATEATER at checkout can you what was the first call you think you might have learned from henrietta just a yelp she would she would just walk through the yard just constantly making small little barely audible noises Uh, we heard heard that one doing it tonight you know i was going to ask you guys about that it's kind of we're jumping ahead here no go ahead man we uh the four of us hunted together andy guy steve and myself Andy and uh, Guy were sitting together. Steve and I were sitting together. Andy is poot. Yep. And uh, we had a hen come see. in fairly early, and uh, we we got to watch her for what, at least 30 minutes, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And she finally drifted off. I never heard her make a sound, did you? Nope. And you guys did. She was talking the whole time. That's You know, it's funny. I want to get into this more, but I remember uh, Will Primos listened to a Will Primos DVD and he was talking about turkeys make so much more sound than you think. Yeah. And he goes, when you're sitting in the woods and one comes real close to you, you realize they're constantly making noise. Yep. Constantly. And I never, like tonight, We she wasn't in shooting range. You can't shoot a female anyway, but she wasn't in shooting range, but I never heard a peep out of her. I can't believe that you guys just sitting not yep. too far away were listening to her. Constantly talking and you don't even know if she's talking to to another one or if, if she's just making noise to appease herself but i know that came turkey we had she would do it non-stop oh, there would be times when it would get hot in the heat of the day now i don't mean she she called her head off non-stop but for the most part i'd say 80 percent of her day was spent making noises the other day we had a hen roll up on a decoy and she spent several minutes um, trying to figure out what was wrong with it. She'd kind of fan her tail out, walk around it, you know, move her head up and down. Wouldn't you just love to know exactly what she was thinking? 
Yeah, would love to. I was say I kept telling I was telling Kenyon that if I could have like all my questions about turkeys would be answered if I could be in one's brain for five minutes. That's it. Because I just want to know like how precise their thoughts are, or is it just sort of this nothingness going on in their head, or is it that they're having like complicated thoughts about risk and reward? They live in two worlds. Everything's fine. Everything's not fine. <laughs> <laughs> she would go up to it and was uh, purring at it, mm-hmm. but also just like whistling. It's really cool sounds. <laughs> yeah. A lot of that. Yeah. A lot of those purrs and little subtle clucks in there. Those little bitty tiny. It's, it's something that very few people even recognize as a turkey. But when they do that to each other to, you know, they're curious. They want to know what's going on, you know. And you see it a lot when they walk up to decoys. What's the other noise you just made? Just a purr. Just. What does that do that again? There's all kinds. And then. The purr, you know, people talk about the feeding purr. Well, there's so many vocalizations from a hen to another hen to another gobbler to something's wrong to an alarm. The purr that a wild turkey uses has has many different different call meanings. Do the yelp that your old Henrietta used to make walking around the yard. But what would shock me is she would do that in the yard, and 300 yards away in the woods, a turkey would gobble back at her, you know. Hundreds of yards away. Hundreds of yards away. And on a, on a still morning, and that was, you know, a lot of guys talk about now they don't ever call to a turkey till he flies down. That was something I learned from that hen. She would sit on, the, on, the, on our barn, which was where she roosted, and she would listen to those turkeys gobble around her, and when they... F- flew down she would start calling to him it was why i have no idea it was fascinating but it taught me something don't ever call to them while they're in the tree you know wait till they wait till they hit the ground and she would decide she would make her mind up she'd start yelping and she'd pitch down and go to a different one just about every time so what other sounds did you learn how to make with just your mouth a coyote, hoot owl, and just any crow call, basically anything that would make a turkey gobble. Or Let me hear the coyote. <clears throat> Let me hear it. I do it a lot louder than that, but I don't want to break your sound machine. And then let me, <laughs> <laughs> and then let me hear the owl. He lit up the owls this morning. Oh, man. I yeah, like these guys like were saying that. you were calling in all kinds of owls. He asked me, Pack of owls. He asked me <laughs> why I don't owl hoot when we go. And that's the reason why, because it usually ends up like that. I got five owls above my tree, and I can't hear anything. They were flying around from tree to tree all around trying to find the offending owl. <laughs> Can you rip it again? Let me hear it. <laughs> And then walk me through, so if you can, walk through what you understand to be um, the vocabulary of a turkey. So we talked about a purr. What is a yelp saying? What, when a turkey's yelping, what is it saying to other turkeys? That it wants company. It either wants company or it wants you to, you know, basically it wants company. That's it. 
That's their vocalization. But what is the one they use when they really are going like a dude, when, when, when a turkey sounds like a bad caller with a box call? Because they do sometimes, do. Oh, absolutely. The worst turkey callers in the woods are turkeys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is she saying when she's doing that? She's ready to breed. She's ready for company. Oh, in the springtime now. She's ready for company. And if you'll hear them do that in the fall, too, and they've usually got split up from the flock, and they're just trying to find. They're gregarious animals. They want to be together. You know, As soon as the breeding season open, is over, the gobblers get back together, and they're best friends all year until, you know, February, March. Uh-huh. And the same with the hens. They're a very strange creature, but... They're a creature of habit, and they want company. You know, I just realized, can, can you hold on a minute? Sure. We didn't do the list of the food. What distracted us from doing the list of the food, Poot? Yanni's turkey, or lack of. Yeah, that was it. Oh, that's what happened. Do you mind getting back into that? <laughs> yeah. Um, Speaking of rewinding. Turkey, turkey piccata. Yeah, we made some turkey mm. piccata. No, and we missed some stuff because you had some cured salmon that you caught there in the sand. Yeah, line. I made some lox for breakfast. Um, made a smoked caribou kielbasa that we ate several different times. Did you hit the calamari? Oh, yeah. Oh. We did some calamari that... Uh, From my home waters. Yeah. You got to lay down how you... Secret spot. How you, How that was served, too. That was a it was a curried calamari with uh, golden raisins, some green onion, pine nuts, and a little uh, curry mango aioli. How was it consumed, or was any <laughs> shooting shotguns in the headlight of a truck? Yeah, <laughs> as it should be. Yes, I just want to so, say you guys all left, and you left the plate out there. That's why I was out there for thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, handful of handful of calamari and. Yeah. <laughs> What else did we do? Oh, uh, that seafood has, sausage, halibut, halibut, and uh, spot prawn sausage. I think that's my favorite. That yeah, good. of the that week. Cured some uh, goose pastrami, a couple goose breasts, pastrami. We did uh, Canada ooh. Canada goose breast. Yeah, that's the. I think that that dish. If when you hear from people who get Canada geese and they don't like eating them that much, that's what you ought to be making. Yeah. It's a go-to for sure. Oh, and then in, a, a, in, in Poot special, um, Poot special Canada goose breast pastrami recipe is in the in the forthcoming cookbook. Yeah, yeah, and get it there. And oh, we had some couple of different lunch items where we did a I did a roast caribou and made little sliders out of that. And then today we ate some uh, took a mountain lion roast. And smoked through that in the smoker, and we did kind of like a like a pulled barbecue style with a little coleslaw and all the, all the trimmings. That was pretty good. You ruined me, Andy. Dude, it was a, it was a wild trip. game yeah, extravaganza, the, man. Yeah, it can never be reached again. Elk, yeah. elk loin. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. We cauliflower puree. Neck. Yep, seared a big old elk loin, cauliflower puree, balsamic drizzle. Yeah, that was that was really good. He cooked so hard. Uh, he, he cooked so hard and so long that some essential part of himself was lost and he was unable to get a turkey. Yeah. <laughs> because you like you you depleted some vital, some sense of vitality that allows someone to... 
Well, I chose the wrong day to stay and uh, do all my prep work. Yesterday, for whatever reason. Every hunt except yesterday when everybody came back with a turkey. <laughs> Guy, what, um, if you, why was, why was it so uh, easy to get turkeys yesterday? But the day before was like day before. very difficult because yeah, today there. was not that great. Well, Friday we had what forty mile an hour winds out yeah. of the north, and blowing was, trees down. Yeah, trees laying down, and it's you know they don't get together that well. They're scared. You know, predators have a better chance of catching them. Everything's moving, and uh, you know, sight's their biggest defense. And uh, we hit it right. You know, they were split up some of them were lonely and absolutely perfect weather the barometer was low everything was just hit right cool and it stayed cool for uh it was probably 11 o'clock before it really started warming up it was just absolutely perfect morning for so you think it was a response to having had such a nasty day the day before i do like if you have a rainy day then the next day is real sunny people more inclined to step outside yep Depending on the wind and the weather, yep. But when it's clear and calm like that after a day of bad weather, over the years, it's... And also, the next day is usually the worst that you'll have. They're all back together. And, you, and you've got the hunters, you know, around here that didn't hunt Friday or that tried to hunt Friday and knew that Saturday was going to be good, so you had an influx of... You know, how many shotgun shots did we hear saturday i mean jesus must alone a handful yeah and then there were several from around you know nope. so th so they noticed the pressure so that next day they they tend to be off a little bit i know we heard several turkeys this morning that only gobbled you know three or four or five times and that was it and we had one gobble yesterday a hundred times at least yeah at least a hundred times at least a hundred times and i put it into that you did amen i capped him at 100 <laughs> at 100 but it gets frustrating, you know, when you have a day like today. But that's why they call it hunting. It's just you live for those days for yesterday. Yep. I was telling Mark Kenyon, or no, I think I was telling Pooter, if, if, uh, if it was a sure thing, they wouldn't call it trying to call in a turkey. Amen. They'd call it something different. Call it something different. Um, can you make a cut noise, like what, what a turkey does when she cuts? I can't do it with my voice. Really? Yeah. I can do it with a mouth call. And I used to pack a mouth call to do the cutting so I could yelp with my voice at the end of it but you know i've hunted turkeys for 40 years i've heard cutting in the wild from a wild hen maybe a handful of times no really? i hear it all the time just don't hear it i mean not not the continuous cutting that that like i was doing today when i was calling i i don't ever hear that me and yanni do do you really really yeah you sure you're not confusing it with just a bunch of clucks? Would no. you would you define it as like a very aggressive yeah. cluck sort of? How do you define it? it? Just a, a series of very aggressive clucks. She's not scared. She's she's looking for somebody to. She's looking for a tom, trying to get a response from from a gobbler. So you can't do you can't cut with your mouth, right? Takes Why? too much air, I pass out. Okay, so so, <laughs> so cut with a slate.
Do one up by your mouth. Do one up by your mouthpiece there. What's that turkey saying? She's looking for company. She's excited. <clears throat> they call it excited yelps. I don't know anybody that's ever talked to one, actually, but... <laughs> you don't know anybody that's ever what? Talked to one, actually, <laughs> what she's thinking, but I think that she's looking for somebody. She's looking for a response, whether it be from another hen or from a gobbler. But and just to be clear, if you just slow that down, and instead of doing a bunch in a row, and just do that same sound... Yep. You just call that a cluck. Cluck. Yeah. She's walking and looking. Can you cluck with, with your mouth? Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of times what a hen says after she clucks. You know, I, I can remember in the 80s growing up, everybody told you, don't make a putt with your call or you'll scare everything in the woods. Yeah, because you do the sound that they that they make when they spook. Yeah, but it what she does after she clucks or putts says everything if she putts and flies off every turkey in the woods knows something's up but if she putts and yelps they're immediately calm it means a totally different thing but here's the thing if all of these things meant i'm looking for company then it wouldn't have they wouldn't all exist like why the redundancy because we do everything backwards in nature the hen goes to the gobbler no no i'm saying if she wouldn't like there has to be some difference i'm sure you're we don't know but if she yelps and cuts and clucks all meaning i want company they must all mean variations of i want company i see like i want company a teeny bit but not really yeah i want company a lot i see what you're saying yeah and I've seen hens walking through the woods clucking and yelping and clucking and yelping, and they'll cluck and yelp until they get a gobbler to response and turn and go right to it. And and you know from listening to that that that's what she wanted to do. And I've heard the same hens doing the same things, hear a turkey gobble and turn and walk the other way and get with a group of hens and go off into the woods. Yeah. When it comes down to the final of it, she knows what she wants and until we can figure out a way to get in her head, we're about as far as we can go as a as a group of hunters, I think. Uh, can you talk about when you when you saw a turkey gorging itself on crayfish underwater? That was at Empire Ranch, and it was unreal. She was walking along the edge of a pond like a raccoon, picking her head would go into the water. And she had a beard about, I don't know, seven or eight inches long. It was a bearded hen. It was a bearded hen, yep. Would you shoot a bearded hen? Not now. Would you go to a bar called the Bearded Hen? <laughs> yeah. We saw. Did you know? Did I tell you we saw a Bearded Hen last night? No. Pencil thin. Really. Eight inch. Would you have shot it? Mm, I was hoping that it would come in and Poot could shoot it. That way I could inspect it, but not have to feel the guilt. <laughs> That's where I, I would be. I would be able to then say, like, yeah, I was with a guy one time. I didn't do it, but, <laughs> but my buddy shot a Bearded Hen. But they'll eat anything. If they can get it in their mouth. I killed a gobbler one time, had bagworms in his and his whole chest was just moving from all the bagworms he had ate. And you mean bagworms like tent worms? Yep. Sure. And enough. you could see him moving inside there. See his craw moving. My wife wouldn't like that a bit. I, I gotta be I honest, like I didn't care bit. for it at all. <laughs> yeah. 
What were you you were talking uh this morning about the hens have the hierarchy as well and like the vocalizations will change based on their status within that pyramid is that that's true and a hen goes into something that's called broody when she gets a nest she gets towards the end of her nest she gets real defensive of her little area and defensive of herself and but they fight they strut just like a gobbler they don't make the same you know that a gobbler does but they will let me hear you let me hear you do that one again Mm -hmm. you know how i do it <laughs> Sounds about the same. <laughs> Just an abbreviated version. <laughs> um. So the the crayfish thing. How big are the crayfish that was eaten? I mean. They weren't like what you'd find in a crawfish bowl, but they were, you know, three or four inches long. So she's just filling her crop up with those things. Yep. The writer, Tom Kelly, Colonel Tom Kelly, who wrote the, the, the greatest turkey hunting book ever. Amen. I called agree the 10th Legion. Yep. Talks about them eating mud bugs, which. Crawfish, yep. Talks about them eating crawfish. And I, I hadn't read his book until after that happened to me, but you know, it's been a long time ago, but I did, I did harvest a turkey and. Because I had to see, you know, what in the world is and she eating? It happened eating? to be a bearded hen. Yep. And she was eating, had a whole craw full of, and once again, her craw was moving. They weren't near about dead. Really? Yeah. So craw, I never thought about that. Craw is a word for a crop. Yep. A craw is a crop. Uh, as you learn how to make all these turkey sounds at your farm there as a kid, um, how did you get into competitive turkey calling? And, like, what is competitive turkey calling? It's uh, we're a group of guys get a list of turkey vocabulary, hen vocabulary, and uh, you make each, say it's a cluck or the cutting, you do that, and then the yelping, and it's a series of that, and then um, cluck and purr, and it's a series of that, and you get judged on those calls. Do you believe in a call called the fly-down is it useful to hunters? Absolutely. Now that one I have heard a lot. Is it the fly down cackle? Fly down cackle. Yeah. And I and she that hen would do that. You can't that. do that with a slate, can you? Yeah. Well, you can. Yeah. Can you do it with your mouth with no call in it? No. I'll pass out again. But go a little closer to your mouthpiece or your your, uh, your mic. And that's them. That's the that's the vocalizations they make coming down out of a tree. Yep. How? Sure. And and I've have heard hens do that a lot, especially in Texas. But uh, but when so when you but when you got into doing a com- competition calling, it was just you were doing no, you just just using voice calls. Now I would have to use a diaphragm for stuff like that for cutting and for the fly down cackle, but for basic yelps and the clucking and purrs. And stuff like that, yep. Run me through like a run through a bunch of the just a whole whatever comes to your mind. Oh, the call sequences. Yeah, run me through like a, a like a like. Let's say you're at a calling. Well, where were the calling competitions? Let me ask that first. I I took second in the world at Natchez, Mississippi. Second in the world, natural voice. A guy named Tucker Chris beat me by two points. Okay, but that's what I mean. You just said natural voice. <laughs> yeah. So how can you can't if you're doing the natural voice you can't have the call. 
Right. Okay. So you just suffered through it, and that's that's where I lost it was the fly-down cackle. I just couldn't do it. It sounded like a, a dead chicken, and I didn't score very high on my dead chicken and call. And that's either. what cost you the world championship voice calling. Yeah. I had nines and tens out of ten. You were scored zero to ten. I had nines and tens on all the calls except that one, and I had a four. So what was but, the like? What was the first time you went to a competition? I didn't eat for three days, and I uh, flew down to Natchez or flew down to Louisiana and went to Natchez from there. And why were you cutting weight? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just nervous. Get up in front of a bunch of people. That was that was pretty rough. I mean, you know, so you were nervous to, about it well in advance of going and doing it. Well in advance. Yep. And you signed up. And did you even know like what other people were doing with calling? Had no idea. Had guys tell me you just had a feeling you were good at it. Yeah. Had a guy tell me I had to eat lemons before, and then another guy told me I had to eat limes, and another guy told me I had to <laughs> eat cough Hall's cough drops that would clear my throat. And by the time it was over, I couldn't even talk. You know, I just it was, but it was a great experience. You know, I met one of my best friends for life there i mean we've been friends 30 some years met him at that calling contest and, and where was the calling contest natchez mississippi or natchez mississippi however you want to say it some good friends from down there made made some really good people met some really good people down there and how old were you when this is happening 19 1920 okay now i gotta follow up real quick how many other folks were in the uh voice division i think you know, memories is a little rough, but I think there were sixteen or eighteen. I you know there's some. Mark Drury was there. Uh, he's a uh, he's an excellent, excellent natural voice caller. And uh, uh, there's some other people that you know. It's been twenty years ago that I, I can't remember. But you beat Mark Drury? No. Nope, he was there the year before. He won it three years in a row. He was there at the contest, but he didn't call that year. He quit because he was winning it every year. He went into business for himself. The year I competed, he wasn't in it. Is there a day-to-day like maintenance you have to do for your throat, or you know what I mean? Like a singer does their warm up. Do you do something to, like you know? La, 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 la. Yeah. <laughs> Do you do is that? He man or is he man? jeez, <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, Stuck in your head now. I'm going to be singing it all day tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize I had such a hit. Yeah, you really. It's, it's because my me. understanding is like when you write a song, it's meant to be that it gets in people's heads. And <laughs> is he man or is he myth or myth? Gets into Mark's head and you yeah. can't shake it, which tells me that it's a hit. What's even worse is my wife has had to hear me sing it. And she gets mad at me. And I say, talk to Steve. <laughs> I can't wait to get home and sing this is the annoying song. And this is how it goes. <laughs> is he man or is he myth? So you got to warm up. La, 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 la. The more you call, the better you get at it. The more I practice, the better I am. All right. So he, uh, at some point, we better do it now. I want you to, to like get act, put yourself back in your 19-year-old self. Okay? okay. Here you are. You're in Natchez, Mississippi. Haven't eaten in days. You get up on the stage. Let me set the scene for it. It's be- a crowd of beautiful women. <laughs> and you're up on the stage. And and you need to start ripping out a wide array of turkey sounds um, that you learned 
communicating with the family pet. That's it. Do you have to do them in a specific order? Or you yeah. Kinda, yeah. And they'll say a caller do the Yelp of the Wild. Oh, hand. so we can do this just like a contest. Who wants to be the announcer? <laughs> <laughs> I can do it. You don't mind being the announcer? Sure, I'm a, I've emceed before. Okay, I'll be a crowd. I'm gonna be a crowd member. Go Contestant, contestant number one. Could you please start with the cluck? And then you just do it a few times. And that's all you do. Just and a couple. that's it. And they'll give it a minute for the judges to. Who's, so, who's judging? L- I mean, here at the table. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm not judging. <laughs> Who's judging in real life? You know, they get, uh, a lot of times it'd be, you know, past callers, um, people that turkey hunt a lot from that local area. Um, sometimes they'd have agents do it from that area. You know, people that were absolutely knew what a hen turkey was supposed to sound like. And this is something put on by the National Wild Turkey Federation? Yes. Okay. Did uh, Jay Scott judges the elk calling, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, announcer? Moving on to the Yelp. <laughs> and usually you do it twice. Dang. Unaided. Ten. I'm going to try one time. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> it's uh, you can do four. better than that. <laughs> That's like more of a harbor seal. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> you try dirt? Uh no, nah. Give it a try. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> you got Yanni, I bet Yanni can do like yeah. an approximation of it. Yeah, but my voice is not might in the best place for it. But I can try. Might be good. That's not bad. bad Good job. Hit it again. So when you're learning how to do, like now we're going back in. You're not your 19 year old self anymore. You're you're like whatever. Thank thank goodness. No, you're gonna go back to being him in a minute. Oh lord. But (laughs) you're your younger. You're your younger self. How did you, like, were you learning to call with no call, just using your voice, just out of expediency? Like, uh, or were you thinking, I want to become a, a a voice caller? No, I was using it to, to kill turkeys. That was it. So if I had given you a, a bunch of turkey calls, you might not have learned. Right. Okay. Announcer? Contestant number one, can we please now hear your fighting purr? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, this was big. Is this a true call? Oh, yeah. When two gobblers meet or two hens, and you can tone it down from one to the other, but... Ten... Yeah. <laughs> you judging now, Dirk? Yeah. <laughs> Hit him again, Mark. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how about the Kiki run? And that's a close one. I can barely, 
I barely can do that one, but <clears throat> okay. But first, can you explain to me um, the turkey sounds, Kiki, Kiki run, like all these things? Most generally, it's uh, the fall of the young, young of the fall turkeys, babies that can't haven't developed the voice enough, and you'll hear it break at the end sometimes. Sometimes it won't break; they'll Kiki nonstop. But I've heard hens that do it she my that henrietta turkey she used to do it when she was five six years old she would kiki they can do it if they want to do it now babies in the fall they don't have the voice box they do it just because they're trying they they can't yelp but uh i've heard them hens do that kiki run in the spring and like i don't have video of her but she would do it when she was older let me hear the noise That just means follow me. I'm not sure what the kiki run is from a mature hen. I don't know what that means. I really don't know why they do it sometimes. Mm-hmm. But Mark, well, what, what what do we have left? Do we want to hear the fly down cackle again? Do we want to hear the the? Putts? I can't. Where did yeah do the pots? I'll do the feed and purr. How about an alarm putt? Yeah. Hold your ears. No, it's not a bit. And my putt and cluck sound so much alike, you know. Yeah, but a real hen's putt and cluck sound alike, too. Yeah. It was much Half the time I'm in the woods going, damn it, I, I screwed up again. And you have. But yeah, here she comes. Yeah. She's coming all the way in. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, she's it, not putting. Isn't like, the, isn't I thought the cadence, that one. Isn't the cadence different, though, on the alarm putt? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, 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 for sure. So when you when you what was it like when you were growing up in Missouri? What well, what your what your old man do for a living? He worked for the State Department, and he wasn't around very often. And it was, you know, when I lived in Tuscumbia, Missouri. It was population two hundred. You know, we had a we didn't even have a stoplight. We had a stop sign, a bank, a church, and a bar, and a school. So were you the kind of kid that, that hung out by yourself? You, you know, I mean, it was hard not to be popular because there was only like 15 of us in my class. So <laughs> you were popular whether you wanted to be. But no, I wasn't popular. But it was it was a great place to grow up. But I was a hellion. You were a hellion? Yeah, I was a hellion. Like, what, like tell me some bad things you did. I, I shot a lot of turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> But you mostly ran around out in the woods. Yeah. Because, like, after the last couple of days, I can just tell. Like, I've only known you for a few days to hang out with. But you're like, a, you're like what I would call, like, a woodsman. A term that I, don't, I do not throw around. Well. There's a lot of guys like to go hunt, but they're not like a woodsman. And, and that's just it. I, I don't hunt at all anymore. I mean, I, don't, I can't remember the last thing I harvested. Other than the bird that was pooping over the windowsill, you know, I mean. Relocated. Relocated. I mean, it's just, I love, like you guys being here and the success you guys had, that's where I get my charge of of it. And, you know, seeing the conservation efforts that have been made for the wild turkey, not only for the wild turkey, but for the 
to bring up a bad but good point. When I was a kid growing up, you would talk to guys, did you see anything today? Uh, I shot the hell out of this bush, but, you know, it, it turned out it wasn't a turkey. Or I, I sh- shot at one 70 yards, and there was accidents. And, you know, people were, I had a really good friend of mine got shot turkey hunting. And uh, I got him into the sport, and, you know, he got shot his second time ever being out. How'd that happen? He was hunting a public land there close to home, and uh, he was calling a gobbler, and he said he was just about ready to shoot it, and it saw him and run off. And he said he was just sitting there, and he said he looked, and he seen a guy walking up to him, and he waved at him, and he didn't have his gloves on, which, who cares? You know, he... A man looks about as much like a turkey as I look like an elephant, you know. <laughs> but he waved at him, and he said, as soon as I waved at him, he threw his gun up, and he said, I knew he was going to shoot me, and he he put his hand over his, his eyes and saved his eyes, but he had 40-some pellets up his arm and in his skull. and Holy shit. But you don't hear about that anymore, and it's through the conservation efforts of this country and, you know, educating people that you don't shoot until you are sure of your target. There was a kid that was at one of the Turkey Federation things who was an expert voice caller. The story was he became good at it because his old man shot him in a turkey hunting accident and damaged his voice box. Yep, that's a true story. And now he can call turkeys like... I don't even... You know, I try to think of like what word would describe that story. It's not irony, Mm-mm. but there's some bizarreness to that story. Yep. And you, you can't ever take that, you know, that trigger pull back. But I don't understand, like, if you if you talk to you guys soon, it's like, oh, so you thought, you thought that you saw a man's hand, and in your mind was, um, oh, there's a turkey, and I'm verifying that it is a bearded turkey and therefore illegal. And I'm verifying that I'm holding on the waddles. Yeah. You're not doing all that. No, you're not. You're shooting that movement. But that was, I mean, that, it was, I mean, we had 10, 15 accidents a year in the state of Missouri back in my, my day. My buddies from Missouri have a good story about watching uh, an acquaintance of theirs. They just happen to be perched up and, and, watch this guy like belly crawling on a bird in a, in a field that was gobbling and the guy got up and shot a fence post the bird was still like 50 yards farther never saw it and just reared up and shot this fence post then stood up and like walked over there and realized there was no turkey not even close so. he was trying to help the quail by killing the fence post yeah, yeah it was <laughs> but it's because there was such a lack of it was like you had to take every split second decision to shoot something. Like yeah, it was just, and the pride and ego, which is downfall of the majority of us guys. But you know, now through their efforts, you know, they had the safe sticker on the end of the gun. You know, and everybody made fun of it. I didn't make fun of it. I thought that was a great idea. The you safe know, you, sticker. Yeah, it was a B safe sticker that you put on the end of your when you put your gun up. It was on the. Whatever that is, that the riser or whatever. Yeah. So you so you had to see that sticker before you made you think that huh. one little one little bit. But our, I mean, it's went downhill. There's hardly any now. You know, one or two a year, and it's usually somebody dropping a gun or. Right. So some level of education took shape. Very much so. Yeah. 
you know what I was saying? How like how, how uh, I was saying like I think of you as a woodsman after walking around with you. I, we're the reason I bring that up is our friend Pat Dirk, and we were talking to him, and he's talking about these guys that get so good at killing whitetails. This will interest you, Mark. Um, <laughs> these guys that get so good at killing whitetails and like killing machines, you know, but they can't tell you what tree their tree stands hanging in. They don't know what? the kind of tree. Yeah. Like they, they learn some aspect of hunting, but they don't learn the package of it. But you, when you're out in the woods, you 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 know your trees, you know your plants, you're observing all of the try. things around you, and you're curious about the vocalizations, and you don't even care to be the guy hunting. Could care less. I just there's something to learn every time we go out there. You know it's. If, Nature, the woods are changing every single second of every day. And you know, we decimated our forests back the turn of the century. And they've, you know, they've come back. And we're learning as a nation that you have to take care of it by eradicating fire and fescue and fence-to-fence planting. In my opinion, someday she's going to get tired of it. You know, we got to do our part as sportsmen to give back. We got to take care of our woods and our fields and our forests and our wildlife. Have to. We owe it to the next generation, our children. When you were growing up, did you see a lot of areas get destroyed? Yeah. Over the course of your lifetime? I did. One of the most painful ones was in Alabama that we hunted. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was one of the few places I ever got to hunt that was virgin timber. And, uh, there was white oak trees, and it was 280 acres, and, and me and uh, the buddy that I hunted with down there, Barry, we could hold hands and not touch, I mean, around the majority of the white oak trees on that place. And uh, that grandfather passed away and left it to his grandson, and on the one condition that it didn't get clear cut, that nothing happened to it, it was never to be logged, which I'm not sure that I agree with the never being logged stuff, but something that pristine and that beautiful yeah i agreed with it and i remember we went down there one year and that his uh, nephew had found a a way around it and it was a clear-cut field when we got there when it comes to hunting the right equipment can make all the difference that's where the quiet cat apex pro stands out designed for the hunter who demands both stealth and capability it is redefining off-road access the apex pro is not just any e-bike it's a testament to innovation built to navigate the toughest terrains and comfort with a powerful 1000 watt silent motor with quiet cat you're not just investing in an e-bike you're unlocking new possibilities in your hunting adventures making every journey more accessible and effective the apex pro is the choice for hunters who refuse to compromise, offering silent, efficient, and reliable access to the heart of the wilderness. Embrace the future of mobility with Quiet Cat and discover how the Apex Pro can elevate your outdoor experience with 10% off when you use code MEATEATER at checkout. Hey, I'm kind of an afternoon hydrator. Like, you know, I wake up in the morning and drink a bunch of coffee, then later in the day, I'm like, man, I gotta hydrate. And then uh, I'll see some liquid IV, and then I'll drink a whole bunch because I like it a lot. It helps me stay hydrated because it motivates me to do it. Now, it doesn't matter if you like hydrate to live or live to hydrate. Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone. 
It's got three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks. And no artificial sweeteners, plus zero sugar in the sugar-free version. However you hydrate, grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco. Or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use our code, MEATEATER, at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Superior Hydration today using promo code MEATEATER at liquidiv.com. I spend a lot of time outside, and I spend a lot of time hydrating with Liquid IV because, like I said, I love it, and it makes me drink like I know I should. It makes me feel great. Check it out, liquidiv.com. Man, I've had a Helix sleep mattress for years, and man, that thing is nice. The Helix lineup, just comfortable. It feels good, and you don't get all like, it's not all like hot and sticky in the summertime. It's not cold in the winter. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, the newly released Helix Elite Collection, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash eater and use code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. It's The logging thing is, is, is tricky and the, the main, when I was a little kid, the main area we could go and hunt, I mean, we could like take 22s and walk out our door yeah, and, and go hunt scores. I remember you know? those days, yeah. And you had to, you would like take 22s, whatever, cross a road and you'd go into a small wood lot, which my old man owned a chunk of. Then you'd go down and cross Mueller Road and pass into a big woods because it was owned by a summer camp. And it came to be that the summer camp sold it. And whoever got it was came in to log it, okay? And these are big white pines and big oaks. Um, and they came in to log it, and we were like the monkey ranch gang, man, because <laughs> we didn't want to log it. And we right. noticed that the guys came in and would go around writing no cut on some trees. And my old man had gotten all this paint at uh <laughs> my old man had gotten all this paint at a white elephant sale and we had a sprayer and i remember me and my brother we were i think i was 13 or 14 i remember because right around the time i was peeling logs for 35 cents a foot at a place that made log homes and uh we kept mixing that paint to try to get it to match exactly the paint that said no cut and then went all over out in the woods right no cut <laughs> Love it. on stuff which didn't work, and then they cut it, okay? So it was just, it was squirrel woods. Then they cut that forest, select cut, not clear, but select cut it. And it was a couple years later, and we had deer. Yep. And there wasn't deer anywhere. 
Amazing. Near. I mean, it was like you would, there would be now and then a deer somewhere. If you crossed the next road, White Lake Drive, and pass into this other woods, you could possibly run into a deer. They logged that thing, and we jumped a roughed grouse in there. Great. A few years later, which never happened. And we actually went and hunted deer in that woods. All right, that's after that's it was logged. And then that, that caused me to have sort of a, like an awareness of sort of like a managed forest. Right or, or like how you could that something you think is negative like oh logging so bad, but then it created this thing. Yep, and it wasn't like this is old growth because it got logged off during the logging boom, anyways. Right, it was something of a more cyclical nature. But if you went there now, there's now again there's nothing because then what happened was development, and someone came in and scratched it all off into lots. And made and a field out of it. Just it's just houses. Yeah, it's houses. It's just gone now. And yeah. now it's now. Like, what I used to think is like, oh, they're going to log it. It's going to be gone, or it's going to be ruined. No, it's gone when you build, like when you develop it. Yes, sir. That's gone. Well, I, I'm and it a- was developed. It was developed by the guys that, that you know. It was developed by the guys I went to high school with. It was like, not like not like a evil not like an evil thing happened or someone did it with malintent. It's just like the fact is now nothing's there. Yeah. Well, there's some squirrels running around that you can't hunt because it's people's yards. <laughs> That's why they make pellet guns, right? But I'm I'm a fan of logging when it's you know selective selective harvest. It's a renewable resource, just like cutting a field of grass for hay. If you don't, it's just gonna Go to go to waste. You know, utilize it. And you can, if you do it right, you can help your forest in so many ways. You can help your forest and your wildlife. Yeah. Have you ever, ever been around when they've done those rings? They bore into the tree and take it out and the rings on the wood and tells you how many years old the tree is? No, I just know you're counting them on the stump. Yeah, well, they got a machine or a, it's a, deal, a little handheld deal that bores into the tree and it takes out a tube of the tree for lack of a better word and they can count the rings and you can see that tree's life where it had a drought year or it had a lot of rain or it it's starting to get enclosed it's got too many trees around it and the rings will get shorter and shorter and shorter as the forest matures and you do a selective harvest in an area like that and come back in 10 years and do that same thing and those rings are so far apart you can't even it doesn't even look like it's the same tree. Like that tree's kicking ass afterward. Yeah. Now it's got room to grow and there's some light to the forest. And we as human beings, we want to see, well, I don't, and I'm sure you guys don't either as being hunters, but people want to see a pristine forest. I hate that word. You know, pristine. There's There's no such thing as pristine in a forest. If it's pristine, it needs some work. You know, if you can look 600 yards through an oak forest there's nothing there. There's a few acorns at the end of August that last, what, two weeks, and then, then there's nothing. You need to cut that and open the timber up and allow some sunlight so you can have growth for deer and nesting cover for your turkeys. And deer see food and this four foot, four foot of cover, it, they don't care about what's above them. They want they want something that they can hide in, and even a wild turkey does too. Now, yeah, they like their open areas, but they they need security. 
this is a little off topic. Do you remember what it was they were giving out at that turkey calling contest for a prize? Yeah, it's this ginormous trophy, the only trophy I've ever, well, that and co-ed softball. That's the only two trophies <laughs> I got in my house. You still got it now? Yeah. You carry it around with you now? Yeah, I do. That's one of the only ones I kept. And I, that's not true. I I won the Illinois Open and the Oklahoma Open and some other little contests, but I don't have any of those trophies anymore, I, but I do have that one. Is there groupies in uh, mouth turkey calling? I don't know. I got so I got so far away from it. You know, I don't. I haven't done it in so long. But there were some super guys that were that were in there. Yeah, it's a good group of fellas. And then you got into turkey guiding, guiding turkey hunting. Yep. When you're doing that, are you mostly um, enjoying it or mostly not enjoying the company of the people you're guiding? You know, it's uh, when you don't do it for money, the the ego and pride leave and the enjoyment of it come in. Whose ego and pride? Not mine. I have none left. But uh, when when somebody's paying you for a service, they expect results. So it puts pressure on you to to make those results and a lot of times like today <laughs> a turkey that wasn't doesn't want to cooperate and you really can't make them do what they don't want to do and uh you know i got enough pressure in my life i don't i don't need that but oh uh, you know like saturday i live for those days you know so you felt that guiding you felt that the 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 the, the transaction of it made it less fun yeah because the hunter had expectations right and I haven't, I haven't taken money for guiding, other than a few tips. I tried to talk them out of giving me to, but I, they still give me. But I haven't took money for guiding, and gosh, I don't even know how long it's been. A long time. And that makes you feel better about it. A lot better, yeah. Yep. What were some of the things you seen people do when you were guiding that you didn't really like? Oh Lord, I, one, I'm not going to name the guy's name because I don't know what the statute of limitations is, but. He was a baseball player out of, out of, he played for the Mets. He held the record for getting hit by a pitch the most in one single season. It was like 120 times he got hit by a pitch. Mean, horrible, rough man that just was soft on the inside. You know, a good, solid guy. But he was, he just didn't put up with nothing. You know, everything was a bench-clearing brawl if it didn't go right. And you, you feel that that's a symptom of being soft on the inside? Yeah, he was a super soft guy. He was a good guy. I really liked him. You know, even to this day, he's a he's a super guy. I I, I kind of I don't really understand what you're saying. You're saying that he would fly off the handle. Yeah, but and that being a result of him being soft on the inside, trying to hide it. That's my opinion. I understand what you're saying. That's my opinion of him. But he had soft tendencies, but didn't like it. Didn't like that about himself. Wasn't going to show it. And okay. He would, he would go over the top and pummel you if you thought that of him, which. If he hears this podcast, he's probably going to pummel me, but that's all right. Cause, <laughs> well, we'll pummel him right back. <laughs> <laughs> but I took him out. He aggravated me for two years to take him turkey hunting, so I took him. We go out, and it was kind of raining that morning, and I set up under a cedar tree in a glade. And it was, I don't know, it was probably 10 o'clock, and I didn't want to be there. You know, because, one, it's raining, and the sun, it stops raining, the sun breaks through, and me and him are sitting there shoulder to shoulder. First time he's ever been turkey hunting. It was April 29th, a Friday. 
and remember it like it was yesterday. Man, I'm waiting for something real bad to happen. <laughs> it's pretty bad. And this <laughs> this turkey gobbles just out of the blue, about 250 yards down on the, off this glade, and we're in a perfect spot. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, you know? I get him around, get his gun up, and uh, the the rain is dripping off the cedar trees, and there's just that little bit of mist, you know? And I just, like all right Ron, get that's him gobbling yeah i mean he just so that was almost he couldn't confuse that with the guy shooting sorry no no now you're talking <laughs> so uh, skidding around get his gun set up and through this gr- glade out steps a hen just a beautiful little hen and she back at me and i call to her and he gobbles and he steps out behind her and it's just one of those turkeys that you never get a chance you know, he's got a foot-long beard. It looks like it's big as a Coke can. It's just a humongous turkey. This is what you live for, you know. And I'm telling him, Rob, this is the biggest turkey I've seen this year. It's, it, please, you know, take your time. He said, I got this. I'm like, all right. So I call a couple more times. Can you hit that gobble again when it's the right moment? <laughs> I was like, this is it. You know, he gobbled straight at us. 150 yards, 100 yards. And the hen, she's about 15 or 20 yards ahead of him. She's just walking and feeding, you know. And she gets in about 25 yards, and he's about 50. And he's just beautiful. The sun's shining off of him. And I'm like, how am I going to talk this guy into mounting this turkey, you know? Because it, it's a trophy turkey. And I said, all right, let him take a few more. Kaboom! And the then, hen. Just explodes into a cloud of feathers. Oh, the hen. Like, yeah. I, oh, my oh, gosh. No. What in the beep, beep, and beep, you beeping idiot? Well, I got the idiot out, and that was the end of my trash talking him. I got a stern lesson in that he was paying me for a service. He came here to kill a turkey, and by Lord above, that's what he did. And if I didn't like it, I could march my butt right on back to the truck, which is exactly what I did. I left him with his turkey right there in the woods and left. Professional baseball player. Yeah. Shot the hand. And he packed that thing around and showed it to people. <laughs> they would have hung me. They would have put me under the prison, you know, but not him. He takes it and goes off and just as happy as he can be. It's like never again. I never took him again either. Never. Soft inside. Soft inside, but that was that was his claim to fame. This, you know, you Giannis does this. You do it, and Giannis does it. I'm trying to learn how to do it. Where let's say if I if I meet someone who's just terrible, you know, I'll just be like, I don't like that guy. But um, Yanni will 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 try to find out what it is that makes the guy that way. That's a tendency for me too. And then. Um, right. You you give him like the credit of the problem. Hmm. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. As opposed to just writing it off. As opposed to writing it off, you'd be like, yeah, but he. Yeah, but he. As an explanation, I think it's a more like gracious way to go through life. Be well, like, well, yeah, but he had a lot of problems with his dad. I understand. As a way to like excuse a sort of behavior. Us men all have our th- our faults. All yeah. of us. Yeah, dirt. 
I got no faults. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess chewing. So, uh, <clears throat> you're like a hunter who doesn't hunt. That's it. I refuse. 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 Other than the relocation of a pest from time to time. Other than that, I'll never kill another animal. Out of pleasure. Steve's speechless. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit speechless. A little bit speechless. Well, if at a point, okay. So at a point, you would you say? Do you imagine a point in your life where you say, "Not only will I not, I will not assist no in the killing of another animal." Too much pleasure from people. Too much excitement. I enjoy seeing that the look on people's faces. Kids, women, adults. It doesn't matter. I, I enjoy the excitement of it and seeing the thrill. Do you take your own kids hunting? Very much, yeah. Do you take them hunting and, and then think, like, well, I hope that they'll arrive at a point where they don't want this anymore like I did? Yeah, I do. I hope that, that someday they reach the point where they want to help others see what they've got to see in their lives. So what is it do you think you're, like, what is it that you're helping people to see? That there's another side to turkey hunting and deer hunting. That it's, it's, and I don't want to offend, ruffle any feathers, but. It, please, please don't worry about that. All right. Well, it's not about, it's not about selling the next product or making the next invention. You know, Tom Kelly was, I mean, he's the greatest. He, he loathed decoys. He didn't feed corn. He didn't do anything wrong. He just hunted turkeys. He wanted that battle of him against a turkey. And that's, it's personal for me to match wits with one of them, to know what he's thinking before he realizes what he's thinking. And by the time he realizes he's messed up, he's laying on his back looking at the last sunset or sunrise he'll ever see. And that's a, because I, I fail so many times that when I finally succeed, it's just, I enjoy seeing that in other people's eyes. Well, my son, he was eight years old when he killed his first deer with a bow. And uh, when I, he couldn't get, he physically couldn't get out of the tree. We had to sit there for an hour because his legs shook so bad. I knew that was it for me. I will never get that level of excitement. And why? Why would I kill anything if I'm not going to be excited about it to his level? And he still gets that way. He still gets, if it's a doe or a 10-point buck, he still, both my kids are still that way. So the fun vanished. I don't know if the fun, the fun is there. I love going out with them and sitting in the tree with them and even with my wife. I enjoy sitting with her. I enjoy hunting with anybody that gets an excitement level out of it. But where I'm, what I'm trying to say is, why would I harvest an animal if I can't get as excited as they could about it? I understand. I, I understand what you're getting at, but I just it, it's hard for me to. I understand like the structure of what you're saying, but it's hard for me to understand it a little bit because, for instance. When I was kids, we were hell on chipmunks, okay? Yeah. We learned how to hunt by hunting chipmunks. Today, I was having a conversation 
with Giannis about how because we were listening to some chipmunks. I'll say, man, we used to just really hunt hard. If we heard a chipmunk cutting loose, chirping, yeah, we'd get BB guns and go after it. But we didn't eat the chipmunks. Okay, right. So I would now, it, it, like, I now when when I'm out with my kid, and he's in that he's got that little kid thing where they want to get everything in the yeah. woods. I'm like, no, because that's right. We're all here for squirrels. I'm not going to do that. That's not something people eat. It's not something we're going to eat. So no. Yeah. But here I am. Okay. So here I am. Like I've engaged in this activity. I used to engage in this activity and it's something I, I enjoy doing and I learned how to hunt that way. But I've decided that I'm like, you know what? I, I don't like that that happened. Right. Looking back on it. I'm not going to tell my kid not to do something that I did. My my kids are raised very differently than I was raised. So that so that is true. Very true. Very different than I was raised. You know, my mom and dad worked daylight to dark. Um, I can remember packing a shotgun to school. Yeah. I, I was seven miles from my house to school. I would turkey hunt all the way to school, leave my shotgun and my camouflage, leaned up against a big oak tree on the south of the playground. I'd go to school, I'd come out of school, pick my stuff up, and walk back home. It wasn't, it was just part of it. I mean, we man, had, I want to go to that school. <laughs> when I, man, when, when I was, I remember when they banned guns on campus. Yeah. And we'd always go hunting after school, and I'd run my trap lines after school, and I remember one down saying, well, this isn't going to work because, um, right, I yep. have to have it. And like, oh, yeah, you know, that's okay. That's not what we meant. It was just, <laughs> you just had to go let the principal know that you weren't going to follow that rule, and he'd suss out whether he thought it was okay for you to not follow it or not. Yep. It was different times back then, too. Different times. Every guy in our class had a gun rack and a gun in his back of his truck you know i mean it's just it was part of our our culture and we've let that go because of some bad decisions of a few messed up people yeah we've all got to pay pay for it yeah but i gotta tell a story on my dad and then i'm done because you, you brought up the chipmunks shooting the chipmunks mine was turkeys all right my dad had this box of paper peter's shotgun shells okay 25 of them. I mean, when they used to not be plastic, but paper. Paper. And my the great... casing was paper. Casing. A lot of people probably don't know this. The casing was paper. My great-grandfather, who I'm named after, gave him those shells, and he was so proud of them. Well, January 1st, I got banned from using the shotgun. I couldn't kill turkeys anymore. I was in trouble, bad grades. I couldn't hunt that spring. Well, that just tore me up, so he took all my, my shells. Were grades, like bad, bad? Yeah, they were bad. And... I was steady. Are you not? Are you not academically inclined? No, I graduated with point one percent, one percentage point. You know, if there was classes on turkeys and deer hunting, I would have, I would have aced it. But I, I didn't have time for school. There was hunting and drinking beer and other things to do. But you knew how to read good. Well, I did. Yeah, and I'm not superbly stupid. I've made some bad decisions, but I'm not a complete idiot. But anyway, those shells set inside this little drawer where we had dinner at. And uh, so turkey season come around, and I'll sit there one morning, and this turkey starts gobbling across from the house. So I got it. I got it. He had an old 12-gauge that he left in the corner, an old Model 97 Winchester. 
I got one paper shell out of there. Slid it in the gun, closed it. It closed. You know, everything was good. I I wonder. So they were off to work. I sneak up the ridge, and the gun goes off, and I kill the turkey. Well, the paper, as you know, it doesn't expand like today's plastic shells. So I just took all the shells upside down and put the paper one on the bottom. That's good thinking. Yeah. No one's ever going to know. No one's ever going to know. Fast forward three turkey seasons, and uh, grades hadn't gotten any better. And uh, I was keeping the local neighbors supplied in turkey breast, but we had this couple. My mom had, my mom worked for this guy, and real highfalutin guy, and mom and dad and mom, they cleaned the house, did everything, had this big dinner for them. They come over to the house, and we're all sitting around the table, and we just finished eating, and my dad says to the other guy, you know, you ever deal with guns and he says oh yeah yeah and he gets up and he goes out in the car and he brings back this gun he says this gun my great-grandfather gave me and i thought oh shoot he says i got something my 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 grandpa gave me and he turns around and he reaches in that box and he picks up this empty case of paper shotgun shells and right in the middle of dinner he just chucks them at me you little beep 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 i knew i knew better i knew it (laughs) So we have this huge family squabble in front of this high-fluent couple that mom and dad really laid out the red carpet for because I shot every single one of those shells. <laughs> there wasn't a one of them left. I still thank my great-grandpa for that box of shells. Cause <laughs> Pooter, did we name all the dishes you cooked? I think uh, I think we got through the bulk of them, yeah. You got anything you, got anything you want to... Wedge in there? Uh, Add on? Yeah. Clarify? I just... Correct? uh, I'd have to say that I learned a lot over the last couple days about turkey hunting. It was, uh, even though I didn't put one in in the freezer. But you got your first turkey just last spring. Sure did. Yeah. Over in Montana. So now you're learning what it's like to lose. Yeah. But it was... uh, no, it was very educational because last year when I got it, it was a, it was a quick. I had a bird on the ground within within an hour of being being out and about. So this year was good because I learned way more about the the whole process, and obviously I had some good uh, some good good guides to 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 lead that. What's your favorite What's your favorite thing about Turks so far? Uh, just the interaction, you know, getting yeah. out there and, and hearing that that gobble in the morning, that insane, it, crazy, yeah. beautiful noise they make. Yeah, yeah. and then just to kind of have gabba, that gabba, con- gabba. that conversation <laughs> with them. <laughs> yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed it, even though it uh, it didn't turn out in my favor. I I really really enjoyed getting out there and sitting and and just covering some ground and seeing seeing what it was all about. And hopefully, do it again next spring. Oh, you'll get one next spring, man. Not a doubt in my mind. Mm-mm. Mark Kenyon. Final thoughts? Yeah. How's them flip-flops feeling? Real good. Got to air Jealous, these puppies man. out. Yeah, you aired them six out at night. I was wearing the big stomp clompers all day. Rubber boots, so I needed these pretty badly. Final thoughts? It was just a great weekend. I mean, yesterday was a lot of fun. We were able to, me and Dirt were able to get the job done first thing in the morning, which was a blast. And then uh, probably other than that, though, and the camaraderie, what stands out is Pooter. 
hey. the founder of the feast. You hey, put on man. an unbelievable culinary Good to hear. Uh, extravaganza. I, I think I gained 10 pounds. This Some great, great food. Who's my favorite cook? <laughs> He's mine now, too. Mine, yeah. too. Good taste, yeah. Mine as well. Good to hear. It was great. Great time. Dirtmouth? Yeah, I second what Mark said in uh, the two hunts. I got to hunt with Giannis as well. Both Mark and Giannis got their birds. The light for my craft was untouchable. <laughs> it was just amazing, the beauty of this area. And Michigan was the final state, so oh, been all 50 you've now. Not, not have you, I want to touch on this. Yeah. It was a, so – do you have to, to say you've been in the state? Do you get, figure you got to sleep there, or just you don't count like the airport layover? No. Uh-uh, no. So how do you count it? Yeah, like uh, get a sense of the area. Okay. Even if it's brief, but yeah, not a not counting like a connection flight or anything. Doesn't need to be a sleepover. No, but I think I have probably every state had it at least a night plus. I, I did a big trip. It's too long to get into it, but uh, yeah, I felt like all the states prior to Michigan was uh, more than just a check on the board, and now Michigan fills that same kind of role. It was an amazing, amazing time here. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, Dirt Myth, um, fifty states. Yeah, <laughs> you can look down on him because he's a, a slave to a substance <laughs> and doesn't have the level of discipline <laughs> to stop doing something that's killing him by rotting his jaw off. <laughs> however, there is always vi- a balance. But however, he's visited all 50 states. <laughs> is there like a term for that? Is there a title? Like there's the, the turkey grand slam holder. Is there like state a glan- uh, state grand slam? Your grand slam holder. State grand slam. <laughs> I'll be. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm at 49. There's one missing. A good one. Do you got any, What's that? You got any questions for him? To, yeah. On how to close her down? Yeah. The one missing for me is Louisiana. Which surprises and me. I know because we were on our way there. I, don't, I tell the story all the time. We're on our way there. We were down in Mississippi. I think we started out in Memphis. We're headed through Mississippi. Got to like Clarksdale, home of the blues. Yep. Crossroads. Went to the crossroads where dev- where we went to the crossroads where supposedly Robert Johnson sold his yep. soul to the devil. I was like, I'm going to get out of the car. My friend Anna was like, don't get out of the car. Um, and then continued on our way, and we're going to New Orleans. Yeah. And on the news is like, we're, there's like a big weather event fixing to happen. And the more we go, the more serious the weather event is, and it winds up being that there's closing some stuff and evacuating some stuff, and we bail. That was Hurricane <laughs> Katrina. Dang. Uh-huh. So it wasn't it wasn't faded. If you're so it that. was like we yeah. So we could have made it into town in time to take part in that whole rodeo. Good decision. Which would have, yeah, left an imprint from Louisiana. Oh, speaking of calling that a rodeo, there's a clarification the guy wrote in I want to touch on real quick where he says that we were, he was saying getting Western and getting squirrely are very different. Oh, I'd agree. <laughs> getting Western means How there's you a describe? risk of injury. Really? <laughs> How would I describe Western? Physical danger. Squirrely, I would say too. Yeah, he's like, you could like mess up the fletching on your arrow and it shoots a little squirrely. 
Yeah, or like Garrett was giving me eyes today in the blind. He, Garrett was to get a little squirrely. squirrely. <laughs> Western's far different. Yeah, if Garrett, yeah. If you're in a, harm, if if you're in a blind with blind. another man and you were to say, man, I thought I was going to get Western in there. <laughs> that's different than... Someone's getting get shot. Little, no, I don't know if you said like... I was in a blind with dirt, and things got a little squirrely. <laughs> yeah. No harm done. But but his clarification was that there has to be a risk of physical harm is mm-hmm. implicit with, with within Western, and squirreliness does not... It's lighthearted. Yeah. Something being a little squirrely doesn't mean that the, the, the physical harm is going to result from that. Giannis, did you have any final thoughts? We always say Western when there's uh, hunting, when there's uh, like too much shooting going on. Like when mm-hmm. Your first shot didn't really connect properly, but you decided to keep on shooting. Things got a little Western. Things got a little Western. Yeah. Dude got like, Western like a, tonight. Like a shootout. Oh, Josh. Yeah, that was. So what is it when you get Eastern? <laughs> Things got a little Eastern. <laughs> I don't know. What got Western tonight? That guy with the... Uh, oh, the guy that was just shooting up a storm. Oh, yeah. right, the neighbor. Steve Texas is like, if that gun ain't sighted in now, I don't know what that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's just coming from a guy who's sort of like... I used to love to just shoot. When we were kids, we'd just go shoot. For Christmas, we'd get those... You know, they sell those milk cartons full of 22 ammo? Oh, yeah. Oh, we just go like burn through a whole yeah. milk carton of 22 rounds. Now... Dollar signs. Now it's well, not even that. It's just like now I just, it's just very like, it's like a functional thing. Like I no longer just like to just go down and just what we call plinking. Yeah. Just blast. It's just loud. Yeah. It's like loud. That wasn't a 22 today. Mm-mm. Oh, no, no, it was. But I, mean, <laughs> I think he, worked, like he my, worked in the 22 later. Yeah. The yeah. double combo was like fireworks yeah just yeah. my view on recreational shooting is it's just it's just like loud you know and when we used to just shoot 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 all the time i never thought about what it means for some guy who's out like we were tonight like that guy he's oblivious to the fact that we're out creeping around the woods yeah bosh, 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 <laughs> you know? we were trying to we were trying to film an interview and it, we had like 10 different takes where i'd start and then oh start <laughs> shooting bam, 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 stop bam. again <laughs> like okay wait wait okay now go bam 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 that was getting Western, for sure. It was Dude, squirrely. Was, I thought it was decided. Somebody could have gotten harmed. It was decidedly squirrely. <laughs> uh, Giannis, any... Um, yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go home, and, uh, you know, we have a giant flock of chickens, but I think what I'm missing at home is a couple uh, Henriettas. <laughs> yeah, he was telling me this tonight when we were sitting there just observing your and Poot's hunt. Um, I'm not saying I'm going to become a voice caller, but I figure by next spring t- turkey season, you won't even be able to get near me. My turkey calling skills. <laughs> I can no better whole, teacher. Spend the whole year with Henrietta. Just listening. Yeah. That's your concluder? Yeah. Right. Um, do you guys have room for a turkey? Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. looking forward to this. Plenty. So, guys, Zuck. Can you tell us your what your what was your guys' family name before you guys shortened it to Zuck? Uh, Zukin hyphen Snyder or something. <laughs> <laughs> guys, Zuck, thank you uh, for coming on the show and and, uh, and and talking about turkey calling. Guys, I just want to say it was a pleasure having y'all and give a shout out to our host. Thanks, 
thanks to him for letting us be together and i hope to do it all again someday we'll be back here this is a, a fun place to hang out so thank you gonna hold you to that we're coming all right brother enjoyed it hey you ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it you can do that at errands yep you can rent to own appliances like washers dryers or refrigerators furniture for your living room or bedroom even tech plus errands has great brands like hp samsung and ashley life's always changing keep it return it upgrade it errands fits your life instead of the other way around so check out your nearest errands store or visit errands.com to see what i'm talking about approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply you got to see your local store for details outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems things like hard starts rough performance and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer simply pour a can in your gas tank hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more.